Welcome back to Shades of Strong, where Natty and I are talking about all the things that shape, make, and sometimes break the strong black woman. Hey, Natty. Hi. How are you this evening? <laughs> I am wonderful. How are you? How are you? I'm How doing you? pretty good myself. It's been a pretty good, good day. It has been. It's actually been a good week, I think, for me anyway. Oh, I'm definitely glad to hear that. Some weeks it's good, some weeks it's bad. And for you guys who are listening, just in case y'all are wondering, because I know you guys get these episodes on Mondays, but Nettie and I actually record on Thursday evening. So when you hear us talking about Thursday evening and it's been a good week, we know, you know, y'all listening on Monday. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. Anyway, on to the goodness that is this episode. So for the last two weeks, Nettie and I have been giving you some goodies on healing or some type of healing. Last week, we talked about people telling us how to heal. And the week prior to that, we talked about healing friendships and sisterhoods and things of that sort. And so this week, we are going to, or for the next two weeks, we are going to be talking to you about our healing journey and where we are on those journeys as of today. And let me just tell you, it's a process. It just is, you know, nope. I, I honestly don't think people ever fully arrive. It's definitely a process. And so in Shirley form, we are going to let Nettie go first. <laughs> because that's what we do on Shades of Stroll. But before... It's so funny you should say that because... It's so funny you should say that because Nettie actually never wants to go first. I am helping pull you out of your shell. You see how I'm doing that? You're, you're right. You're right. So I appreciate it, girl. <laughs> and that's, that's my story. That's my story. I'm right. helping pull her out of her shell. It's not because I don't want to go first. You know, I'm helping her. <laughs> anyway, before we do that, y'all know we want to hear from y'all on all social media, or your favorite social media platform, Facebook, Twitter. Instagram, and of course our website, shadesofstrong.com. So hit us up there, leave us a comment, a voice message, anything, share your healing journey with us. And if you have questions, comments, or snide remarks, we're here for all of that. So again, Shades of Strong, yes, honey, snide remarks. Did I tell you that my, my daughter said once we start receiving snide remarks that we have arrived? Oh, God. We, <laughs> we wow, have not received wow. any. We are waiting to arrive. So yes. I don't know how remarks. to feel about that because I don't really like snide remarks. But so, okay, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like when you when you have like a bad review, I guess it's similar to that, you know, when people are actually listening. I guess that's one way to look at it. If you get a bad review, then you know people are listening. Because people oh, don't yeah. typically I know for me, I don't typically leave reviews unless I'm not pleased with a product. Oh right. You're right. I don't leave reviews either, except like the only time I've ever left reviews, I do leave reviews on Amazon. And it's not just when I'm displeased. It's like, if it's something that I really, really, really love, that's the stuff that I leave a review about. I will leave a review on Amazon just because Amazon will send you an email and say, hey, will you review this purchase that you just made? Right. And so right. I'm like, yeah, I'll do it. But if I don't get an email or something, then if I'm pleased with the product, nine times out of 10, I'm not going to leave a review. But if I'm not pleased, then I probably will. So yeah. Anyway, I just went all over there on that. So yeah, <laughs> Natty's going to go first with her healing journey and go for it, Natty. I guess I guess the first question I would have with the whole healing journey, first of all, is first of all, what does brokenness look like for you? And then if it is brokenness, then what is the process 
that you have gone through to get healing? Uh, that's a, yeah, that's really good. That's a really good question. Um, I know that broken is kind of a, um, a triggering word, kind of the way, oh, excuse me, I'm about to cough. <coughs> I apologize. I've had a really bad cough lately. That's fine. Um, Go ahead. I, I've noticed that that's a kind of a triggering word, kind of the way strong is a triggering word right now for us as black women. But what that means for me, when I hear the word broken, it, it makes me think of a broken heart and it makes me think of a broken spirit. And those are very real things, especially the broken spirit, because so much, so much of our lives are spent dealing facing and dealing with very real trauma, like just a lot of trauma. And that kind of mess really will break your spirit. And I know for a fact that through my life, I mean, I guess we're, I'm in my mid forties now and I don't know, I, I, I'd like to see, I guess maybe the trend is changing, but we tend to think more about this kind of healing or I've just noticed it more amongst women that are closer to middle age <laughs> Um, so that's weird. But when I think back, a lot of times in my life, I was either dealing with a broken heart over something or a broken spirit from very um, real severe trauma, or sometimes both because the, 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 the trauma produces uh, a feeling of brokenheartedness. And a broken spirit at the same time. So, like when I was um, a, when I was a kid, I didn't have a whole lot of friends. I think we talked about that during the friendship episode. I can't remember, but I was lonely a lot because I'm an only child. And so, I found ways to occupy myself. And the ways that I found to occupy myself are a lot of those things I still do now, um, and that's great. But because of the loneliness, I recognize now, looking back, that I was depressed a lot as a kid. And to me, I think when I think of depression, I think one of the symptoms of depression can be, not it probably it might not always be this, but it can be a broken heart. And I know that I felt brokenhearted from being lonely, not having um, a lot of friends that I felt were like my trust my true and trusted friend and not having any siblings. And I know my parents tried. My mom had five miscarriages after she had me. Um, and I didn't know that that's what was going on. I'm a, I'm a small child, so I don't know. I, I realized that I was really brokenhearted. And then when I was 11, my dad died of lung cancer. And so that was a major trauma. And yeah, I was really brokenhearted. Like I didn't know how to... Of course, you know, I didn't know how to process any of that. People have a hard time processing grief now as adults. So I definitely didn't know how to do it as an 11-year-old kid. And, you know, of course, I know my mom was hurting and we were just kind of hurting together and just going through the days together. I'm very fortunate that I had a really great relationship with my mom. But I think we also mentioned this before in, in, in a long ago episode. There were lots of things that my mom was going through that I didn't know because I mean, well, she's not going to share this with her kid, you know? And so we were just greed kind of hurt and going through life, just continuing to go through life and just hurt and no way to get out of that hurt. And so um, that I just remember all of that and going through 
my middle school and high school years, a lot of depression and a lot of brokenheartedness. I don't know that I would say that my spirit was broken because I, I kind of poured myself into the things that I really loved to do. And I was a really good student. So I made straight A's and I excelled in my little activities that I was in at school. And that was the kind of stuff that I guess probably kept me going. But then, you know, at, right out of college, I had a baby. I got married. Um, I got married. I had a baby. Okay, let me back up. I got pregnant. <laughs> I got married. I had a baby. That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> I graduated in June of 96. And then my son was born in December of 96. And I got married right after I graduated. Ten months later, my husband is like, yeah, I'm out. I don't want to do this anymore. Bye. So <laughs> that was the broken heart and the broken spirit, too. Because unfortunately, when, when relationships and um, they, they go through those splits and things, and that's just part of life. Everybody, lots of people have gone through that. Lots of people have gone through a divorce. But when you're in the midst of it, lots of things get said to each other. And at the time, I'm a 23-year-old young mom of a 10-month-old infant. And so he said some things to me that really cut me to my core. And um, my spirit definitely was broken because I believed him. I believed the things that he said about me. And so it took a lot of years for me to kind of pick. I mean, I, I think I was in shock. I was in full-on shock for like a solid, almost a solid year after that. And then it took me a few years to, to feel like I had the confidence to do some of the things creatively that I was doing because I was, I was working as an opera singer and there was always a part of me that was really, you know, I'm in my mid twenties. There was always a part of me that was, I was very afraid that I wouldn't get the gig or I wouldn't get that callback or I wouldn't get this because I wasn't good enough because I'd been told that I wasn't good enough. And there was a part of me that was feeling guilty about how much I was working in the evenings and doing rehearsals and stuff because I should be home with my, you know, my mom's, you know, I live with my mom and my mom's watching my son, but I should be home with my son. So that means I'm a bad mom. And so there was a lot of that, that 20 mid, mid to late 20 year old Madeline was, of she was walking around with a really broken spirit. I honestly, mid twenties. Yeah. I don't honestly know exactly how I did and got, some of the things done that I did, I really just don't know. Because yeah, I feel like there are large chunks of that time that I just flat out don't remember my, my son, my oldest son, he's going to be 23 in December now. He says, yeah, I remember you would do this and this and this. And I'm like, wow, I don't even remember that. Because I was in such a daze. I really, I, I, I was like a shell of a person. And it wasn't just, oh, oh, the broken heart from the failed marriage. It was me believing the stuff that I had been told about who I was because I didn't know who I was. So it was very easy for me to believe somebody else's words about me. You know? Yeah, very, very broken spirit. And so when I think of the word broken, to get back to your point, your question, that's what I think about. I think about brokenheartedness and a broken spirit. I think those are very real things and they... <laughs> Those things can take years to repair, especially if you're like me when I was, uh, you know, in my mid-20s and late-20s when you don't really know who you are. So it took me a long time to discover who exactly I was. And I didn't really fully start to get a glimpse of who I really was until I was in my, my mid-30s. It was like a 10-year process. That's insane, right? But it, it really did take me that long. 
it took me that long. I think it sounds it sounds insane, but I think, and I'm sorry for interrupting you. But, no, no, you're fine. But what I think is, you know, it, it sounds insane when you say it now, but I think the healing journey is like a really long process. And I think we don't get that how long it is. Like I said earlier, I don't think we ever really arrive. And so for, for 10 years, I'm thinking if that's what it takes, then that's what it takes. Yeah, that really is what it takes. Because, you know, I'm in my mid-30s and I'm starting to feel like I'm getting a glimpse, like I said, of who I really am. So that means that, I mean, I still wasn't there with really knowing who I am. I didn't really feel fully comfortable in my skin until I was 40. Wow. Even then, it's like, okay, I feel more comfortable in my skin. I feel like I know who I am. Now can I learn to love myself? And so it took me a couple, two, three, four years to really feel like I love myself. And that leads me up to, you know, that's what, last year? I was 44. So yeah, it's taken me all this time to get to where I not only feel like I know who I am, because I do know who I am, and I know what my worth is, but I actually truly love myself. And even that is still kind of a learning process because some bad habits are hard to break. And some of them have been really bad and really old, long-standing habits for a long time. So I'm still working on not beating myself up when I don't do the thing that I planned on doing. Um, I'm doing working on being better about giving myself permission to rest, especially now when my body is really exhausted and sometimes it's in pain and it's like, hey, you really need to come to a stop right now and rest. And so I'm doing a better, trying to do a better job of actually listening to my body when that happens. And that's all a process of, that's the kind of stuff you do when you really love yourself, you know? And yeah, I didn't love myself when I was in my 20s. I didn't even know who, who myself was in my 20s, in my early 30s. It's amazing the things that you will do and the things that you will allow into your life when you don't know exactly who you are and you definitely don't love yourself. So Natalie, what what was the turning point for you? I know you said, you know, in your 20s, you you had gotten married and then here you are raising a child on your own. Your your father died when you were 11. What was the turning point? Like, What was the point where you decided I need to do something to get over these things that, that I've gone through? Or was there a turning point? What happened? What made you decide that you needed air quotes healing? So I think the turning point began to, I mean, and it wasn't like a hard left. It wasn't that. It was definitely like getting on an off ramp. But it started when I got remarried. I'm, uh, I've been married for 16 years and it is an interracial marriage. So my husband is white. And I discovered that I was dealing with some of the same, you know, this is the South, this is Georgia. I will, I, I don't want to dishonor anyone, but I will say some a family member was not happy about him being with me for obvious reasons. And it was familiar to me because previously in my previous marriage, same relational family member was also not happy about him being with me for the same reasons. So this was my second go around dealing with racism that was like right there in my, like in my face it's different to deal with it and deal with all the microaggression, macroaggressions, and then you can come home and, and it's like, okay, well, that was really crappy, but I'm home now. That's an incident and I might 
not see that person again, or if it's a co or whatever. But when you come home and it's still there because you're now in that family, it's 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 much more. It was much more difficult for me. So it was a family so, member on on his side, right? Yes, both times with both with both husbands. Kind of opened up old wounds from the from the previous marriage. Then. From the previous marriage, it opened up gotcha. some old wounds, and I was like, you know what? Screw this! I'm not doing it again not doing this again. And so I had far more come to Jesus meetings with my now husband than I ever did with my previous husband. Oh, um, okay. So you handled this one differently. I handled this one differently. I tried to handle it the first time, but again, because I really didn't know who I was. And so therefore I was very insecure. It was very easy for me to believe the things that were being said about me. The second go around, I was like, no, I, that's no, 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 no. I don't believe any of that. And if this person is upset, then you, husband, you need to, you know, this is before we got married. I'm like, you need, to, I'm not, you need to make a choice. You know, basically, uh, it's like, I'm not dealing with this crap all over again. So you need to let me know now if you're a mama's boy. And if that's who you are, that's fine. You won't get any judgment from me. You just won't get me. Like, you're, I'm not doing it again. And he was very like, no, I'm going to let her know, um, you know, this, that, and the other. The fact that he stood up for our relationship in a way that my previous partner did not, um, that meant something. But I noticed that this time I just wasn't, I was definitely a lot more vocal. And things didn't get better right away or anything like that. But each time, not each time, probably there were some times that, you know, my, my personality is such that I tend to let things simmer and I don't speak up right away. I'm also trying to do a lot. I'm doing a lot better about that now. But at the time, it was like, sometimes if I'm really furious, I won't say anything right away. But I mean, you can obviously tell that I'm furious. <laughs> and sometimes I'm like, well, um, you should, you, uh, you honestly should just know being what the situation is and what's just happened, you should know why I'm angry, but I wouldn't always speak up right away, but I did speak up more often. And I think that was the beginning of me really standing up for myself, really knowing what I was willing to put up with and what I wasn't willing to put up with. And so that was a little bit different. And that was the beginning because the more I started to think about the things that I would not accept I started to get stronger and stronger in feeling like I knew who I was. But again, that was a process of years, of years of me thinking, okay, no, yeah, I don't accept that. And not just within like family, extended family and in-law issues, just in general, like at work or at church or with so-called friends or any of that. It was like a process of me learning to say, wait, no, I, no I, I'm not putting up with that anymore. You can't do that anymore or you can't, this can't continue to happen, stuff like that. So the more I stood up and spoke up, the stronger I felt. And so that led to a point like, and I think it was in 2013, we were actually, I was actually really disillusioned even then with the church that we were in. And I was really upset about it. And I remember, remember saying to my husband, I'm like, you know what? I'm really tired. I don't, I'm tired of feeling like, I'm being judged by people and really kind of taking that on and, and, and wearing that, especially when I know that A, we don't deserve it and B, they shouldn't be judging us anyway. 
I remember standing up and saying, no, I'm not going to put up with this anymore. I'm done with being judged by these people who think they're better than us. And I tell you what, Shirley, the, the minute I made that decision, a bunch of different things happened. All of a sudden, my husband got a job offer out of nowhere that caused us to move out of state. Mm-hmm. So we got, and that's why I live in Virginia now. We got out of where we were living and moved up here. And then I, I started making art more often. I had kind of started before that, but I was doing very little because again, I didn't feel super confident in it. And I realize now that the reason I didn't feel confident in a lot of things I was doing then was because I was carrying the weight of all those judgments. And I was carrying them like they were mine and like they belonged to me and like, this is who I am. So yeah, I can't really do that much art-wise and creatively the way I want to. All of that stuff fell off the minute I said, no more, I'm not carrying that. And so the moment yes. you owned your voice and stood in your truth, girl, yeah. doors started opening. Yes, God. All kinds of things changed. Yeah. And I've created more, I've created more in the past five years that we've been here than did in Atlanta. And I was, I mean, I was always working as a creative. I was working as an opera singer. I worked as a music teacher. I was a voice teacher, a private voice teacher. I did that for, I started doing that in 1995. So I did that for 20 plus years and I loved doing it. And I, I was a photographer and I took photos and I did photo shoots for people. And I started art journaling. I wrote all kinds of songs, even with all of that. And there was a lot, there was a lot of output. I've had more creative output in the last five years. And it takes and, courage to, to, stand, it does. to stand in your truth like that and not back down from it. And I think people are so accustomed to Black women just walking away and settling. Yeah, and so exactly. you, you took a stand and said no more. Yeah. I feel like, correct me if I'm wrong, but is that when the healing started to come? That is exactly when the healing started. Once we moved up here, I already... I mean, I already felt a shift. I mean, uh-huh. and of course there was a shift because we literally were picking up our entire life right. and moving to a different right. state. Mm-hmm. But I mean, just spiritually, energetically, mentally, and emotionally, there was a shift. That was a shift. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I couldn't at the time put my finger on it and say, oh, this is what's happening. But mm-hmm. I felt it. And I can look back now and say, oh, that's, yeah, obviously that's what, that's what was happening. So, yeah. So I guess the lesson in that is that you can't, and I know this is easier said than done, but you cannot be afraid to stand up for yourself. But I think for, for Black women in general, we don't because when we do, we're, we're labeled and we're labeled. We don't want to be labeled. And so sometimes that will kind of push us into silence and then yeah. people begin to walk all over us. And things happen. Like in your first marriage, you say these things happen and I didn't say anything about it. But going forward in the second marriage, you was like, "Uh uh-uh, no, it's not going down like that. And when you begin to speak up for yourself, then your husband sees you speaking up for yourself. So then he begins to speak up for you. And so we have to be bold enough and courageous enough to own our voices and not be afraid to say, no, you're not going to treat me like this. I remember watching an episode of Iyala Fix My Life and she had she had the Braxton's on there. And, you know, they were just walking all over Trina. And she, and she told Trina, and this was so powerful to me and then, 
I'm gonna move on. But she said, she said, Trina, I want you to you to say to to Tamar, I believe it was, please forgive me for allowing you to think that you had permission to treat me that way. Oh wow. And that is so powerful because I think what we don't realize is when we allow people to silence us, then we are ultimately giving them permission to treat us a particular way. And I think that's what happened with your first marriage. When you weren't saying anything, he thought, okay, she cool with it. And so he continued to do it. But then in your second marriage, he was like, "Mm -mm, nope. No, no, I cannot do that all over again. And especially once my my second child was coming, I was like, oh, hell no, this is not going down. (laughs) This is not going to be my child's life. Right, exactly. Dealing with this BS from a relative, I'll say. Again, I don't want to put anybody on blast or anything, but yeah, I was like, no, because this child deserves better than that. Mm-hmm. Like I still wasn't even fully like aware, self-aware and understanding of, of who I was and how much I deserved and what my work was. Right. I was like, my child deserves better than this. And I'm like, oh wait, okay, yeah. I also deserve better than this. I also deserve better than this. Exactly. I deserve better than this. Why? Because I gave him life. Mm-hmm. I am the life giver. I deserve better too. So Natalie, how do you stay in that place? Like is it is it still challenging for you now to own your voice or does it just come naturally for you? How do you stay in that I'm gonna say what I feel kind of space? So the it, no, it does not come naturally still. It it comes it is more natural than it's ever been, definitely. But I will say that really being able to um, lean into my creative practices even heavier than I ever did once I got up here was a huge help. Because on the outside, and honestly, this this kind of stuff started happening for me like in 2011, but it really kind of ramped up in 2014 um, when, when Ferguson happened. I was already really just pissed, man, from, you know, Trayvon Martin and uh, the other things that happened in, in Georgia. I was, oh man. And that, that stuff happened before 2014. But once we got up here and in 2014 and we got here and like a month later, Ferguson happened. I, it was like, I, it, I have a hard time describing it sometimes. It felt like I, I could feel this collective despair and this collective grief and this collective rage. And it wasn't just my own from like me being a mom of a son who was, you know, the same age or whatever. Um, and it was, it was just compounded because I felt like I could feel so many people's grief and, and sorrow and rage over this. But then it was also like I could feel all the different times when my heart was broken and there was no outlet for me to express it. There was no one to talk to. There was no way to express it. I didn't know how to express it. And so it really, I just, I cried a lot and I started writing more about those feelings. And so it turned into poems and it turned into, sometimes I didn't really feel like I had any words. And so it just turned into, random art in my journals. And the more I did that, it got to where I wasn't just doing that when I was feeling that way. I was doing it all the time. And so fast forward to now, it's kind of like, it's a thing that I do. And that has really helped me. It's really helped 
kind of maintain my my mental and emotional health in a lot of ways. Um, but also it's given me a lot of joy. It's very therapeutic for me. And it's given me a lot of joy because that doing that has actually opened other doors for me that I didn't realize even existed. Like I've made art and sold it. And I've, I didn't know, I did never think that that was going to be something that I would ever do, like ever. I've written over 500 poems in the last five years. I've made my own small poetry chapbooks and I've sold them. Like, so it's like, oh, it's become a, a thing that has turned around and given me a gift when at first it was really just a form of therapy. And the more I stay engaged in that, if I can, there have been, there's been one time a couple of years ago when I went through a fairly serious depressive spell over the summer, spring and summer, and I wasn't really creating a lot. I was creating, I wasn't creating at all, actually. But other than that, being able to stay in this this place of creativity that I'm in, that has really, that's the thing that's kind of helped me stay aware of who I am and how worthy I am of love and how worthy I am yeah. of good things and how worthy I am of rest and having permission to rest. So yeah, it's even if it's just me journaling, just writing things down, I do it every day. And I normally journal something about just what my creative process looked like in a given day. And I do that every day. And I'm the rest of the, you know, in the in a given week, I'm taking pictures or I'm making art or I'm drawing or just something. And that's really helped me. That's gone done a great deal to help me stay in this mental space of you actually deserve this, Natty. <laughs> like you you are a beautiful person. You have a beautiful soul. And you feel more whole now than you ever have and you deserve to feel whole and you deserve to feel loved and supported. So that just motivates me even more to keep creating because it's like, oh, wow, that's, that's the gift that it's been giving me. It's like confirming the things that I was starting to assert about myself back in 2014. It's just been confirming a lot of those things. I think we can easily say that your, your art and your journaling and photography and if you guys want to take a look at Natty's stuff I'm just gonna throw a shameless plug here MP oh, yeah. Bradshaw <laughs> MP Bradshaw on Instagram and, and yeah. you can take a look at all her stuff it is beautiful but I think it's safe to say that that is a part of your emotional healing plan and so I think it's important to have a plan in place when tragedy strikes because it's gonna happen just as sure yep. as you live some unexpected trauma is going to come up. And I think that you having that plan in place is it helps you to get through whatever the it is because you already know that this is what it's going to take to bring me out of it. So it's important to have a plan in place. And I, I look, I just recently learned that, but yeah. <laughs> Yo, you're absolutely right. Like I call it my contingency plan. Exactly. Like if stuff really goes sideways. It's like, okay, there are certain things that I know, certain practices that I'm, that I'm really kind of deep in the groove with that nine times out of 10, these things are going to help. Right. Like there, there have been times when that didn't, but right. again, nine times out of 10, it out of 10, help. it helps. Yeah. And I, yeah. like I said, I just, re- I just recently learned that. And so it's been, it's been life altering for me to, to know that this is what I can go back to when, you know, things aren't going air quotes right in my life. And so I think it's important to have a plan. 
definitely. And but you can't even have a plan if you don't even realize that you need. Oh, so. that part. Yes. <laughs> so it's like, oh, because you have to recognize that. You have to recognize. I need to do something really, different. Yeah. Yes. You got to recognize that your 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 heart is broken or your spirit is broken or both. And not and just re- just not recognize it, but be willing to do the work. Yeah. Be willing to do the work because it's still work. This is stuff that I love doing. I've always been this person since I was a kid, and I love doing things. Um, but even in the doing, that's still work because you you know. I shared a, a uh, an image um, in my Instagram stories the other day. It was a tweet that I saw someone say, and I'm like, oh my gosh, that's like real life. And it said, the fact that you have to draw to make drawings is disgusting. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, sometimes I don't, I just want it to be there. I don't want to do all right. the things. Like, <laughs> so it still works. It still works. Work. <laughs> yeah. It still work. And so you have to be willing to do the work. So Natty, was it worth it? Is it worth it? Is it worth the work? Oh my gosh, yeah. It really is. I'm not ever going to be that person that tries to downplay or trivialize um, or explain away depression like it's some kind of trivial thing. If you need to see a psychologist or if you need medication, whatever, we've talked about this before, like get whatever you need. And I understand that sometimes people don't feel like there's any way out. I totally get that because there have been times in my life, multiple times in my life, as a matter of fact, when I felt like there was no way out. There was just no way out. There were times that I literally wanted to die. There were times I literally thought about taking myself out. And there was even one time when I was a teenager where I was like, okay, let me sit here and devise this plan on how I'm going to get out of here. So I totally get that. But if you can... If you're, if you're someone that's listening to us right now and you're in that place, if, if you can hear what I'm saying right now, it really is worth it. It really is worth it to hang on and to start to devise a different plan. Um, it really is worth it. It's possible, first of all, and it is worth it. Possible and worth it. Love it. Possible and worth it. While we're getting ready to wrap it up. If there's a person, Natty, that you or, or that's listening right now and is struggling with overwhelming feelings of sadness and just cannot seem to pull herself out of the funk, and I want to go on record as saying that Natty and I are not therapists. We are just sharing our personal experiences. Yeah. What would you suggest for her? Because if you're, if you're, I feel like if you're waking up sad every day, there's an underlying issue. So just yes. based on your own personal experience. What would you suggest for her? Well, the first thing I would suggest is recognize that having these feelings is not something that's abnormal or something that's wrong or you should be ashamed of yourself or anything like that. It's okay for you to feel what you're feeling. I think sometimes part of what can compound the problem is we start to beat ourselves up over why we're feeling this way or overfeeling this way. And so please don't do that. It's okay to, to feel whatever you're feeling. And then beyond that, I would just say that regardless of what's going on or regardless of how you're feeling, you are worthy of all the love and all the support that exists on this planet. You, whatever capacity there is for 
pure love and kindness and and empathy and understanding all of that can come your way and you deserve it because you're you're worthy of it and you were born worthy of it you don't have to do anything to earn it it was always yours that's right girl you do not have to do anything to earn it i like that yes yeah i think when we if we can really get that really deep in our spirit and our core that we really do deserve it it can be the thing that kind of cranks the engine and it's like, oh, wait, that can propel us to walking towards our healing. A, not beating ourselves up about it, not allowing ourselves to feel bad because we feel bad. And then knowing that we deserve all the good things. We're, we're worthy of it because we've gone through life feeling like we weren't and, and in many cases being told that we weren't worthy. And that's just not true. That's a lie. It's a lie from the pit of hell and we have to we have to start believing the truth. And the truth is we do deserve it. And we we do deserve it. We do. Absolutely. Well, girl, yes. Thank you for sharing your stuff. <laughs> we do. I know I got all, I was all over the place, but sometimes I get extra rambly. You could do that. <laughs> well, I, I followed it quite well. And I hope, okay, I, good. It. I, hope I listened to it too. I followed it quite well. But yeah, thank you so much for sharing your story, Natalie. I Natalie. Oh, I always call you Natalie. Natty. <laughs> That's my daughter. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Natty, thank you so much for sharing your story with us. We are going to get ready to wrap it up. Do you have any closing words you want to share before we do that? Okay. Did you kind of already do that? Oh, I mean, I guess I kind of already did that, but okay. um, I will say have a great week. And all I mean by that is may you wake up in the morning with the realization and knowledge that you are truly amazing. And again, you deserve every good. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, guys. Well, I'll be up next week sharing my healing journey. Yeah. yeah. So it'll be my turn. I can't say, Natty, you go first. Nope. (laughs) Nope. Because I already did my duty. So it's going to be. But yeah, it will be my turn. And again, we would love to like, you don't have to go out and post your story on social media. You can send us an email if you want to share with us some of the things that you've been through and how you got through it. And if you give us permission to do so, we can share it anonymously here on the podcast because it can be a blessing to somebody else. Maybe somebody else is waking up sad every day and crying herself to sleep and she needs to hear that she can get through it. So if you have something that you would like to share, shoot us a quick email at hi, H-I, at shadesofstrong.com. And again, and if you just have a comment, Shades of Strong across all social media platforms, shadesofstrong.com. Okay. All right, guys. We are out of here again. Thank you so much, Natty. I appreciate you, and I will see you later. I appreciate you, too. Bye. Talking about things we never did before.